This program is a paid commercial announcement from Jacob Media Partners and does not reflect the views of WPHT or its management. Your radio doctor does not recommend or endorse any specific tests, physicians, products, procedures, opinions, or other information that may be mentioned on your radio doctor. Always consult your own physician. Today's program has been pre-recorded. When Recovery Centers of America at Devon opened its campuses on the main line and in South Jersey, they offered a new approach, local addiction treatment led by an expert caring team of professionals. RCA has since helped thousands and leads the way in innovative programs and exceptional inpatient and outpatient care, all in a beautiful setting that allows for healing and recovery. RCA answers the phone and admits patients 24-7, 365, including the holidays. All admitted patients and staff are routinely tested for COVID-19. Call now at 1-888-RECOVERY. That's 1-888-RECOVERY. Talk Radio 1210. WPHT, WPHT, HD, WOGL, HD3, Philadelphia. Radio.com station. From the Malamud and Associates Law Studios, it's time for the Delaware Valley first radio doctor on call every Sunday morning at 10. This is your radio doctor with Dr. Marianne Ritchie presented exclusively by Independence Blue Cross. Listen, seven months or 10 months is an absolutely exceptional, exceptionally short time frame to produce this vaccine. Your health determines your life, your longevity, and your happiness. Let your radio doctor lead the way with your medical education. Your radio doctor, Dr. Marianne Ritchie. Good morning and a very happy Valentine's Day to all of you and your loved ones. I thought we'd talk about dental and oral health today so you could have fresh breath when you kiss your Valentine. We're very pleased to welcome today's guest, Dr. Thomas Solicito, a DMD. FDS, RCSED, lots of great initials, and I'll explain them. He's the professor and chair of oral medicine and the associate dean of hospital and extramural affairs at University of Penn's School of Dental Medicine. He's also the chief of oral medicine at the University of Penn Health System, which includes hospital abuse at University of Penn and Children's Hospital. Multiple leadership positions at Penn School of Dental Medicine Interim Dean, Director of the Oral Medicine Residency. He's a reviewer for major dental journals, including the Journal of the American Medical, uh, Dental Association, numerous articles and books about very complex dental topics. He's won international journalism awards, countless teaching awards, and he's a highly respected member of several national dental societies and a fellow in the Dental Surgery Royal College of Surgery in Edinburgh. And I have to ask you, Tom, do you wear a kilt? <laughs> not, not regularly. Thank you. Thank you. We're going to get you one for your birthday. <laughs> so Dr. Solicito will discuss common dental problems and also explain ways in which lesions in the mouth and oral cavity can provide clues to medical problems elsewhere in your system. Welcome, Tom. Thank you so much for joining us. Yeah, thank you so much for having me, Marianne. I really appreciate the opportunity to have a chat with you today. Well, after reading that incredible profile, my father would say, I got my tongue caught in my eye tooth and I couldn't see what I was saying. You can borrow that. <laughs> I love it. <laughs> you can borrow that. So we have lots of good things to share with our listeners. I'd like to talk about basic issues related to dental medicine and oral health. Some common issues, like let's start with bad breath. It can be an embarrassing situation, but it's not always just from the garlic and onions in that dinner we had. Yeah, that, that's that's so true. Uh, about 85% of the time, it's actually from a dental condition, most commonly gum disease or periodontal disease, but even dental cavities can, can produce oral malodor. But then there's some other things that can cause it, like dry mouth, 
um, associated with certain medical conditions or using different kinds of medications that dry out your mouth. Um, even oral cancer, uh, occult oral cancer or oral cancer that you really can't see can cause it, uh, can cause this oral malodor. And then, of course, there are some other conditions like reflux disease, which is something you know a whole lot about, um, can, mm-hmm. cause, uh, can cause bad breath. And, um, and there's, there's even something related to a psychiatric disorder. Um, and this term is called pseudo-halitosis uh, or pseudo-bad uh, breath, if you will. And in certain patients this is uh, that are plagued by this, that they think they have bad breath, but in fact they don't. But there's a lot of different things that can cause bad breath. But, but much of the time it does come from dental conditions. Again, gum disease, cavities, uh, even a coated tongue. Um, post-nasal drip can give you some bad breath, all emanating from the oral cavity. So so don't just cover it up with mouthwash. Pay attention and tell your dentist and tell your doctor. And then cavities. I think it's they're second only to the common cold as the most prevalent disease in the United States, or as a dentist would say, caries. Tell us about that if you would. Sure, sure. So cavities is what we all learned when we were youngsters. Um, those were the holes that were in teeth that were caused by bacteria in your mouth. Um, the, the, the dental term, the, the medical term we use actually is caries. So they're one and the same. Um, but this occurs because plaque, uh, which is that sick, sticky stu- substance, say that quickly, not so easy. Mm-hmm. The sticky substance that forms on your teeth combines with the sugars and starches of some of the foods that we eat. And this combination produces acids. And it's these acids that demineralize the tooth enamel. And they start to attack the tooth enamel and they cause a cavitation in the tooth enamel or, uh, if you will, a, a cavity in, in the tooth itself. And, um, and, and we know of them in children, right? A lot of kids might be plagued with dental caries, but this is a problem that we see not only in children, but we could see really cavities coming at any age. Um, in, in adults, we see a little bit of a different pattern of cavities, uh, whereby if their gums recede, they expose a little bit more of the root of the tooth, and the root of the tooth isn't protected by the enamel. Uh, so the acids from the bacteria that build up can result in some really rapidly progressing caries. So we tend to see it uh, not only in children, but well, into adulthood and, and through adulthood. And, and in adults, many of them may be taking some medications. So the combination of having a dry mouth and that plaque, that sticky substance that we were talking about, um, really can lead to some pretty rapid cavity formation in, in adults. And that makes sense. You always hear about sugar, but starches too would be uh, something that we have to stay on top of. And that's why flossing is so important. And I know my dentist, I guess you would too, say the electric toothbrush is, is more effective at really getting your teeth clean than a, than a toothbrush. Yeah, I think, I think any, any toothbrush, but certainly you're right, the electric toothbrush is, has been a little bit you know, more beneficial to a lot of patients, particularly those that have uh, trouble brushing their teeth, you know, holding the toothbrush in certain ways and things like that. But certainly brushing twice a day, flossing, regular dental checkups, these are things that are really important. And then the other thing that shouldn't go unnoticed is 
eating a healthy diet and and avoiding snacking. Um, because after you brush your teeth, the last thing you want to do is go grab a snack and then provide the sugar and the starches for the bacteria to break down uh, into acids and, and lead to higher higher rates of caries or cavities. Mm -hmm. And I think you already touched on it, but gum disease, infection of the gums surrounding the teeth, if they appear red or swollen or tender, that's something that you want to bring to the attention of your dentist. Don't wait to your checkup four or five months later if that starts to crop up because, as you already said, that opens your teeth to more decay. And there may be a link between um, gum disease and other diseases like heart disease. Can you tell us a little bit about that? Yeah, that's a, that's a really important point. First of all, if people do have gum disease, they'll notice those things, like you said, red, swelling, teeth, uh, red swelling gums, sometimes bleeding. And, and there is this link between inflammation associated with gum disease and things like heart disease and, and, and uh, diabetes. So keeping your periodontium, keeping your gums clean is important to decrease the inflammation that occurs in your mouth. And it may have significant benefit for your overall health as well. Mm -hmm. We are going to take a break in a moment, but we want to start the next section with oral cancer because we know the biggest risks are smoking tobacco, uh, chewing tobacco, and alcohol use. But now we see HPV is causing more cases. There's a rise of oral cancers due to HPV. So let's take a little break, and we'll be right back with Dr. Tom Solicito from Penn Dental. Thanks for listening to Your Radio Doctor with Dr. Marianne Ritchie, exclusively presented by Independence Blue Cross. If you have a question for the medical mailbag, just send a note to doctor at yourradiodoctor.net. And we're back talking about your oral health with Dr. Tom Salicito from the University of Penn School of Dental Medicine. Tom, we were talking about oral cancers and, and lesions in the mouth in general and tell us a little bit about HPV causing a rise in numbers of lesions. Yeah, sure. So we, we all know the traditional risk factors for oral cancer being tobacco and alcohol, but actually the rate of occurrence of those types of oral cancer is actually down uh, with the decrease in cigarette use. But there is this oral cancer variant that is caused by the human papillomavirus. And this leads to oral cancers in the back of the tongue or sometimes in the tonsils or, or in the lateral borders posteriorly, you know, in the, in the sides of your tongue all the way in the back. And, and this HPV-related cancer is actually on the rise. And patients do have some very subtle changes in symptoms. They may notice trouble chewing or swallowing or even moving their tongue. Sometimes men will come in, they'll complain that they were shaving and they feel a lump in their neck. This is important to bring to the attention of your dentist or your physician uh, so that they can check out to see if there's anything that uh, might look ominous in their mouth. These mm -hmm. HPV, I think it's important to note that these HPV-related cancers, um, studies have now shown that the vaccination, uh, many of our children have been vaccinated uh, against HPV. PV or human papillomavirus is effective in reducing the risk. And, uh, and, and so and anytime you get a lump in and around or in your mouth or on your neck, don't blow it off. You really need to bring that to the attention of, of your care provider, whether that be your physician, whether that be your dentist. Um, 
because we do know that this type of cancer is, is in fact on the rise. Mm -hmm. And melanoma is possible too, but so rare. But if any pigmented lesion occurs on the inside of your lips, inside of your, we, I always tell my listeners that the shiny surface inside your mouth um, is mucosa inside your nose, that, that if you see any colored lesions there. So let's talk about mouth sores in general, because I remember my own dentist, one time I was brushing vigorously and my tooth, the plastic part of my toothbrush sort of slid across my gum. Boy, did that hurt. And he said, two weeks, it'll be gone. And honestly, by day 14, it was gone. Mm -hmm. So if a sore lasts longer than two weeks, or if it recurs, what do we worry about? Yeah, that's a great, that's such a good point. So if a sore lead, it lasts longer than two weeks, it absolutely needs to get evaluated. Um, there are a lot of different things that cause mouth sores. The most common is uh, the typical canker sore. The medical term is something referred to as an aphthous ulcer. But canker sores are sores in the mouth that can be related to some systemic conditions, uh, more commonly related to anemia. I remember one time, uh, being uh, having a patient referred to me with a mouthful of these tiny, if you will, maybe two, three millimeter ulcers that were uh, that were recurring in a gentleman who was about 45 years old. Now these ulcers are very common till about age 25, and then they're on the decline. When they start increasing at someone who's 40 years old, we often go hunting to see if there's another cause, and the most mm -hmm. common cause is this anemia. And I remember uh, running a blood test on a gentleman who had many of sores and, in fact, uh, was anemic. And they ended up looking for the cause of anemia, and they found a, a cancerous bleeding polyp. Uh, this mm -hmm. gentleman uh, obviously wasn't screened. He was about 40 uh, for colon cancer. Um, but it was really the sores in the mouth that brought him in to have that workup. And so... I like to say it was the sores in the mouth that really may have saved his life. Yeah, and we'll talk a little later about oral lesions that are red flags for other medical conditions like inflammatory bowel disease or celiac disease. But then there, there are fever blisters, and they are contagious, so it's important to wash your hands after you touch your mouth and then apply medications to your eyes, etc. But as you mentioned, too, it's really important when it's contact lenses, right? Yeah, that's you know we had a case. So these fever blisters are often treated with some over-the-counter products. Some people just use palliative types of salves. And remember that that virus is still alive, those lesions that are crusty on your lips. So it's really important to wash your hands before you put contact lenses in specifically. You know, we have seen people transmit the disease from that fever blister that's on their lip into their eye. Sure. And you see, and you think too, if somebody goes to kiss somebody innocently, hey, give me a hug, especially if it's a person who is immunosuppressed, the recipient of the kiss, I mean, you know, transplant patient or somebody who's on steroids or asthma, candida. We think of thrush in infants, that, that whitish film in their throats. But I never thought about denture as You mentioned that, or where else might we see candida? Sure. So candida is a yeast infection. And, and yes, it's most commonly associated with uh, infants. But anybody who wears a denture, if you think about the denture, it's a, underneath it is a warm, dark, moist area where fungus likes to grow. So it's important to clean dentures. We see it in uh, patients who are uh, immunosuppressed. Perhaps they're taking a medication. Uh, most commonly, we see it in people using 
inhalers for things like asthma or chronic obstructive pulmonary disease, if people are taking uh, long, longer-term antibiotics, even a week of antibiotics can cause a yeast infection in the mouth. And sometimes the, the yeast that we see in the mouth is not the classic white thrush that everybody refers to in, in, in an infant. Um, occasionally, it can cause crusted lesions on the angles of your mouth. And, and, and once again, if, if this is the case, uh, it needs to be addressed. It needs to be taken care of. And often it is easily treated with an antifungal agent. And if it is mm -hmm. in induced by a denture, the denture needs to get cleaned as well. Mm -hmm. And we talked earlier, a lot of these issues overlap, but tooth erosion, because the acid is constantly washing up against the enamel. I have had patients with candida in the esophagus, uh, you know, not the mouth, but the esophagus. But then we also talk about the overlap of enamel wearing away from, say, an eating disorder or bulimia. People who get sick or people have really severe acid reflux. That acid has no mercy and it wipes away or it, it works on the enamel inside the, the patient's teeth. And so they might look transparent to you when they come for an exam or they have sensitivity or cracking, right? Yeah, that's exactly right. So people may have some sensitivity or cracking, just like you said. And What's interesting is you can really often base the, the, the you know, the pattern of erosion uh, could be based on the actual underlying disorder. Let's say somebody's bulimic. We tend to see the erosion in the upper incisor teeth, the back surfaces of the incisor teeth, whereas if somebody has reflux, we usually see it more in the posterior portions of the teeth. Interesting. Interesting. So tooth sensitivity, if you have it with sweets or hot or cold drinks or flossing, see your dentist because it might be more than just, oh, I'm sensitive. I'm a princess. No, it could be an abscess. It could be a loose tooth or a jaw infection and ready to turn into an abscess. Or, um, But yeah. what would constitute a dental emergency? When would you say you have to see your dentist stat? Yeah, I think if you have persistent pain in your teeth, you really should see your dentist at because a small problem could lead to a much, much larger problem. So if somebody does have a toothache, they should try and get in to see their, their dentist immediately. Mm -hmm. So if, a, if one of your children, all three of mine, have knocked at least one tooth out, I don't sound like a very good mother, do I? It was a baseball. <laughs> it was a trip and fall. It was the swimming pool. But if, if a child or, or anyone has a tooth that's knocked out, what do they do on the, right away? Yeah, that's a great, another great question. And, and I tell you, we get asked this question very often. So if a tooth is knocked out or evulsed, if you're able to replace it in the socket, replace it in the socket immediately. Just make sure you position it the right way. Uh, mm. We've seen people try and reposition it, but actually the tooth was facing the wrong way, believe it or not. Oh. So, so if, if able, replace it to the socket immediately. But if you can't, it's important to either place it in milk or skim milk, or you can even buy at a drugstore. You can buy a solution that's especially formulated. The idea is you want to preserve the lining of the periodontal ligament that surrounds the tooth. Now, eventually, that tooth is probably going to need a root canal, but if you can preserve that periodontal ligament, put the tooth back in, there's a good chance you'll keep that tooth for the rest of your life. That is such great advice about putting it in milk or skim milk or a solution at the, the closest drugstore. We have a minute left. I want to talk about prophylaxis or using antibiotics before you see the dentist for a cleaning or dental work. We used to say for heart valves, hip and knee implants, not so much with people who are immunosuppressed with HIV or on steroids or lupus or transplants, but let's focus on when do we use it for people that have 
heart valve issues or implants? Yeah, so we use it with people that have prosthetic heart valves and, and occasionally, um, there's really not a lot of evidence to support its use in people that have had hip or knee implants. But in, so in general, we don't think that you need antibiotic prophylaxis for those patients. However, um, we say in general because there are some people that fall outside the norm. So the ADA, the American Dental Association, American Academy of Orthopedic Surgery, put together an appropriate use criteria for those special cases where you might want to consider using antibiotics. But you should really discuss it with the dentist, the patient, and of course the physician or medical specialist, and and then come to a plan if if it's necessary or not. But classically, people with prosthetic heart valves, people that have had um, prosthetic heart valve surgery, they do need to be premedicated before seeing the dentist. And I think that clarifies it for people so well, Tom, because it, back in the day, we used to use antibiotics even for GI procedures if somebody had a new hip or knee. And we're giving antibiotics to a lot of people. And then when they have allergic reactions or they become, you know, the nation becomes immune or, you know, these antibiotics become less effective, less sensitive. We've wasted all that opportunity when we probably didn't need it anyway, because as we discussed the other day, every time you floss, you, you run the risk of right. opening the, the lining with bleeding a little bit, right? And your mouth bacteria can get in, gosh, any day that you brush your teeth too vigorously. So that's really helpful. Let's take a little break and we'll be right back with Dr. Tom Solicito from Penn Dental. Today's edition of Your Radio Doctor with Dr. Marianne Ritchie, presented exclusively by Independence Blue Cross, can be enjoyed on Radio.com. Listen to the show at your convenience. Go to Radio.com and in the search bar type in Your Radio Doctor. It's health education on demand. And we're back to talk about more important features of your dental health. Tom, let's talk about certain age categories, children. The most common chronic childhood disease is dental caries. When you told me that, I was really pretty surprised. Um, but we know it's important because moderate or severe caries or cavities can affect a child's nutrition, their development. Tell us a little bit about that. Yeah, so if, if children are in pain and dental caries, if they go untreated, can lead to pain, they are an infection. They can certainly lead to a, a local or even a generalized infection. I mean, they can be that bad. We all have read stories about patients with dental caries that have had severe um, infection. So, but, but they can affect nutrition, they, they poor performance, uh, lack of development. I mean, if people are in pain and are unable to eat, um, it becomes a problem uh, and not mm -hmm. just a, a little problem with where you have to fill a cavity, um, but they can be much, much more significant problems. So the idea here is to take care of the dental caries as, as, as soon as possible. Yeah, and, and, and as we, ironically, probably half the over-the-counter liquid medications for children. I remember when I was little, I didn't mind cough medicine because it had that great cherry flavor. Yeah. So the sugar bumps the risk for cavities. So we encourage, I'm sure you encourage parents and caregivers to give their children their medications with meals or at least rebrush their teeth before they hop in bed. And, and you mentioned too, baby bottles. If a child's walking around with a baby bottle, even if it's milk, there's sugar in milk. So that's something for people to keep in mind. And of course, too, even with children or people of any age, if they have recurrent dental problems, even children can get diabetes, right? Yeah, that's exactly right. Typically what we see in a, in a young child with uh, diabetes is we might be able to pick up the diabetes, but it's often related to gum disease. So little children usually will not have 
periodontal disease or gingivitis. Uh, if they do, that's a red flag for us to look and see if there's some kind of diabetes or some immune deficiency or blood problem uh, or what have you. And a blood problem might be leukemia, right? If they have a decrease or their if their white blood cells, the definition of leukemia, are not functioning properly, that opens the door. And, and we talked earlier, too, that an eating door disorder may be manifested because the enamel in their teeth is wearing away. Absolutely. So how about pregnant women? What's your advice to pregnant women? So with pregnant women, I mean, prevention, diagnosis, treatment of any oral condition shouldn't be deferred because the mm -hmm. modern dental techniques that we have and, and just taking some precautions um, as the patient, but more so as the dentist, um, you can have everything or all treatment done, including dental radiographs, local anesthesia, um, extractions, uh, dental surgery. I think the important thing is the dentist should really um, make it comfortable for the patient, and, and of course, be mindful of any prescriptions um, that that might interfere with pregnancy. But again, uh, a pregnant person should not defer dental care. They should go in, and they can have dental care. And dental and dentists and dental students are, are trained uh, in inappropriate techniques for for pregnant. Patients. And you mentioned the dentist being careful what medications they prescribe for a pregnant woman. But we as patients have to be responsible to tell the dentist if we're on cardiac meds or, you know, I remember getting a shot of epinephrine one day uh, before a dental uh, work. And I thought, gosh, I'm really calm. Why is my heart racing? And it was the epi. And right. I didn't, you know, they had asked me, do you have any heart conditions? And I'm, and I'm no. I said, no. But for somebody who does, you have to be fair to the dentist and tell, tell the dentist everything. The last thing, menopause, uh, women who take uh, bone building medications called bisphosphonates, in some cases, usually not those patients, but people on those medications that are combined with chemotherapy or something um, might get osteonecrosis of the jaw, but that's not uh, as big of an issue as one might think, right? That's correct. I mean, it's it's rare. So, so these medications are often used for osteoporosis or osteopenia, as you know. Um, and, and in those cases, it's extremely rare to get uh, an osteonecrosis or um, necrosis or deadening of the jawbone. Um, so, but these medicines, uh, similar medicines used in different intervals and at different dosages and different regimens uh, as an adjunct to cancer therapy, well, those patients are a little bit more at risk of getting this osteonecrosis of the jaw, um, whereby a dead bone can sequester out of the jaw. But again, for most patients that are using these medications for osteoporosis, osteonecrosis, I'm sorry, yeah, for osteoporosis or osteopenia, osteonecrosis of the jaw is, is exceedingly rare. Fortunately. So just make sure you tell your dentist. Um, so this is your baby. You're so good at this, Tom. Written so extensively. You're the editor of a, a huge collection of articles that talk about oral lesions that are the red flags for systemic or more um, extensive disease in your system. So somebody presents with a big tongue. That could be an underactive thyroid. It could be multiple myeloma with a condition called amyloidosis. And how about mouth ulcers? Tell us a little bit about that. Sure. So I alluded to it a little bit earlier. I mean, people with mouth ulcers, we first think about things like anemia, or you can even have a B12 or iron deficiency independent of the anemia but also inflammatory bowel disease, as we talked a little bit about earlier. In fact, deep ulcerations uh, in the vestibules or the gutters of the mouth, if you will, are, are pathognomonic, uh, are, are, 
almost always seen in the setting of somebody with Crohn's disease. So mouth ulcers uh, and systemic disease, particularly if they're recurring mouth ulcers or persistent mouth ulcers, they need to get looked at. And they need to get looked at in the context that this may be something that's going on with the body itself. And, and just mm -hmm. the, the sign that we see in the mouth is a mouth ulcer. And I know you round on patients in the hospital. So you're going to be seeing people who are in the hospital who are sicker than somebody that you see for routine exams in the office. But another condition that might uh, be noted with ulcers is sarcoidosis or a dry mouth. We know it as Sjogren's uh, syndrome. We see it in GI. You see it in uh, the dental patients. Dry eyes and dry mouth can be a sign of rheumatology problems that come along with arthritis or different conditions. Yeah. Diabetes, you talked about that in so many other instances, can lead to recurrent infection, tooth decay, yeast infections. And how about excessive bleeding? You're cleaning somebody's teeth and you say, mm, this person's really bleeding a lot. What comes to mind? Yeah. So if somebody's bleeding, I mean, there could always be an underlying bleeding disorder. It could just be related to the inflammation that's associated with the patient's you know, gum condition. But if somebody bleeds and they go home and you get a call later on that night that they're continuing to bleed, that's usually not appropriate. And, and sometimes uh, you might even pick up somebody who has a low platelet count or has leukemia, as we were talking about uh, earlier. So if somebody is bleeding for hours to even days after a dental cleaning, that is not normal. And that does right. need to get investigated. And I would hope that most people who are on a blood thinner, like warfarin, known as Coumadin, or Xarelto, or any of the current of Eliquis, would remember to ask their cardiologist or whomever orders that, how long before my dental cleaning should I stop that medication and when do I restart it? And so how about, I'm, I'm, I'm fascinated. I'm, I'm sorry. Oh, oh, I'm so glad you brought that up because right now, most of us in dentistry would recommend not stopping it. Um, so we don't okay, want people good. to automatically not stop it because in some certain cases, like somebody with atrial fibrillation that's on uh, uh, one of those um, uh, blood thinners, uh, the risk of stroke far, far exceeds the risk of having an excessive bleed from the mouth. So just because you're on those medicines, don't stop. You talk to your dentist. Your dentist is probably going to guide you to continue those medications, uh, un, uh, except under rare circumstances. And that would only be done with the, the person prescribing those uh, anticoagulants. I'm, I'm glad you clarified that. <laughs> I almost misled a lot of people. Um, uh, no. The one that fascinates me is the, the shiny, smooth tongue, atrophic, meaning it's atrophied, glossitis, a shiny tongue. Tell us what that can mean. Yeah. So we see that a lot of times with people with uh, B12 deficiencies specifically. Um, folate deficiencies could be a sign of an oral candidal infection uh, that could be um, described as an atrophic glossitis. People that are malnourished can have atrophic uh, glossitis. And again, people with certain types of bowel disease, uh, like celiac disease, for instance, mm -hmm. we can see an atrophic or that shiny, shiny tongue. Mm -hmm. So we think of it as, um, you know, as again, related to more of a systemic problem. Sure. And then infection can surface. Uh, tell us a little bit about that. Yeah, you can get all kinds of infections in the mouth. Now, we talk about caries and we talk about periodontalysis, those are bacterial infections. But, you know, the, the common fever blister is, is a herpes virus. And, and that can present not only on the lip, but it can actually present in the mouth. Um, Chickenpox or varicella and its counterpart, zoster, can actually present in the mouth.
Uh, and there's some other kinds of, of viral infections like Coxsackie viruses can lead to uh, ulcers in, in the mouth themselves. That infamous hand, foot, mouth, huh? Yes, that's and the there's, one. There's just so many fascinomas in the mouth. And you as the patient, um, I'm saying this to our listeners, please pay attention and never think that you're bothering your doctor or your dentist with a question. Make the appointment and go in. And if it's not serious, Eureka, we'll all celebrate. And if it is, you've, you've brought it to the doctor's attention. So we have about another minute. We want to talk about leukoplakia. Could we share that with our listeners? Sure, sure. Leukoplakia is just a white, white patch in your mouth. That's the way it's described. But it is an area where it's more likely to perhaps be a precancer. So leukoplakia should not be um, left uh, to yourself. You really do need to talk to your dentist about this. Uh, or your physician, and it needs to be evaluated, managed, and often followed, even lifelong followed. It's not uncommon either. About 8 to 10% of patients, particularly males over the age of 65, will have a leukoplakic area in their mouth. So it's very Good important. Yeah, it's important also to, to keep an eye on it yourself. And I, I recommend mm -hmm. to my patients, do an oral self-examination. It's not that difficult. You know, stick your tongue out, look at all the different sides of it, and if you notice anything abnormal, bring it to the attention of your physician or dentist. We'll be right back for our final segment with Dr. Tom Solicito. Thanks for listening to Your Radio Doctor with Dr. Marianne Ritchie, presented in part by Recovery Centers of America. When needed, call RCA 1-888-RECOVERY. And we're back. I'm very disappointed to say this is the end of a fantastic interview. I wish we had another hour with Dr. Tom Salicito from the University of Penn School of Dental Medicine. Tom, what does the future hold for dentistry? I know digital is the word. Yeah, Tell di us. digital really is the word. I mean, we're using the computers uh, to do a whole lot, including things like taking in impressions by taking a picture inside the mouth with an intraoral camera. And in these impressions, uh, remember the gooey material we used oh, to go yeah. into the dentist? Well, that's <laughs> all going to be passe. Um, so it'll be replaced by using a, a camera to make a model. And on that model, you can do a reconstruction of a patient's mouth. You can make uh, surgical guides. You can uh, pre-plan where the implants are going to be placed. And, and you can even craft teeth from a 3D printer. And, and and that is occurring now. That's not the future. That's what's really occurring now. We're starting at the beginning of it. So it's really, really exciting. And you have a whole center for innovation and precision dentistry with micro robots to clear the plaque. Oh, yes, I want one for my birthday. And it <laughs> removes biofilm if you've had a root canal. But just the kind of thinking that uh, it must be a real brain trusted pen dental. Um, I was thinking with the when you make impressions, just think about it. If it's made uh, the old-fashioned way and one area is not precise, you have to start all over. So it's it's pretty incredible to think that you'll be doing it 3D. It'll be more perfect. So tell us about the Center for Innovation. Yeah, this is a center uh, put together by Dr. Michelle Koo and Dr. Kate Stevie from the Engineering School, and they've partnered together um, to put together this center. And, and truly, this is Center for Innovation in dentistry. And it's very, very exciting, like you said, using micro robots and, and designing different kinds of masks with uh, 3D fitting, um, making portable devices to detect all kinds of either bacteria or viruses, including COVID-19 uh, with microfluidics. It's really, really an exciting center. It, and it is the future. 
Well, I think that the beauty, the beauty of dentistry is that I'm not afraid to go to the dentist anymore. I am never uncomfortable. I'm never in pain. And I noticed too with the Center for Innovation, customized N95 masks so that they're fitted with a 3D face scanner. It's just beautiful work. So Tom, thank you for sharing so much wonderful information with our listeners. Stay well, and I hope you can go back and visit us again soon. Oh, great. Thank you, Marianne. Thanks for having me. It's time for You're a Real Champion. I call this segment Puppy Love. What comes to mind when you hear the word humane? The dictionary says having or showing compassion or benevolence. Guess that's why centers that care for animals are called humane societies. More than that, especially with dogs, don't we think of them as human? Man's best friend? Okay, in interest of full disclosure, I'm a dog person. On some of my saddest days, it's been Hercules, Seamus, Maggie, Libby, or Zeus who pulled me through. And nothing says welcome home like the tales of three beagles wagging in unison when I pull into the driveway at the end of a long day at work. So my heart was especially warmed when I heard the story of Bob and Barb Bentz. When they first married, Bob inherited more than a wife. Along with Barb came the golden retriever from her childhood. Later, they enjoyed another golden for many years, but when the second doy died, it was just too hard to simply replace him. So they opened their home to fostering dogs, providing temporary care to an animal that can't thrive in a shelter, but will eventually find a permanent home. Bob proudly explains that he became an amateur dog trainer. He'd watch TV shows and videos to learn how to make dogs more socialized. The better the training, the more likely the dog would be adopted because the one thing most foster dogs have in common, a lack of manners. Well, maybe that's because so many of them have been abused, hit by a car, abandoned due to medical problems, or because their families just couldn't afford to keep them. Barb says they have fostered over 55 dogs and loved every one. A pet may settle in for a day or six months. The hardest part is letting them move on to their forever home. They couldn't keep every new visitor, but they did hold on to two. On his blog, Bob shares the story of their first adopted dog from the dog's point of view. He'd been chained to a tree for two years, still wearing the collar he got as a puppy. And as he grew, the collar became embedded into his flesh. Imagine the pain of a simple swallow. He finally broke loose one day after he was shot four times with a 22 caliber gun. Neighbors found him with an infected neck and called the local Darlington Humane Society. After continued neglect, the owner even cut him loose. And when the sheriff's deputy came back to rescue the dog, it was Thanksgiving Day and they named him Pilgrim. He needed several operations to remove the collar from his neck. An x-ray at the hospital showed 78 pieces of metal in his little body, either buckshot or BBs. He then made a pilgrimage north from South Carolina to Pennsylvania and found a loving home with Bob and Barb. Their second dog spent her first two weeks of life underground. Someone had deposited an entire litter of puppies into a sewer pipe, and only one survived. They call her Hope, and legend has it that Pilgrim is her father. Since then, Bob and Barb have worked with the Darlington Humane Society in rural South Carolina, where there's a large number of stray dogs who aren't neutered or spayed. Volunteers connect at various towns along I-95 that are about 100 miles apart, bringing the dogs from South Carolina to Boston in a type of 
canine caravan, which they call the Freedom Trail, finding new homes with loving families along the way. Imagine the joy that a lonely senior or a broken child feels when they can share puppy love with a sweet and loyal doggy. We salute you, Bob and Barb Bentz, your real champions. To learn more about the work of the Darlington County Humane Society, visit darlingtonhumane.org. That's D-A-R-L-I-N-G-T-O-N, humane.org. Or read about fostering dogs on Bob's blog, bobbentz, B-E-N-T-Z.com, bobbentz.com. Tune in next week and update on COVID vaccines with Dr. James Baker from University of Michigan and Dr. John Zerlo, Chief of Infectious Disease at Thomas Jefferson University Hospital. Friends, you know that I'm a GI doctor. I have spent my entire career focused on prevention and early detection of colon cancer, the second most common cause of cancer death, and numbers are rising in younger people. There's a national movement to decrease the screening age from 50 to 45 years of age. Join the Blue Lights campaign during March, Colon Cancer Awareness Month. Hang a strand of blue lights on the front of your home or business. Put a blue light bulb on your porch. Share this message. Stop colon cancer. Get screened. Visit our website, bluelightscampaign.com. Send a photo of your blue lights to info at bluelightscampaign.com. Happy Valentine's Day. The way to a man's heart is through his stomach. The way to a woman's heart is to play the sounds of Sinatra. Keep it here on 1210. Sending you lots of hugs and kisses and chocolate candy. And always remember that your health is your wealth. Thanks for listening to your radio doctor, Dr. Marianne Ritchie, a Jacob Media production. If you're interested in learning more about the power of the radio hour, contact Joe Krause at 267-261-3428. This program is a paid commercial announcement and in no way represents the views of WPHT or its management. Today's program has been pre-recorded.